Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Okay, that's really lame. That's okay if it's for the Lakers. How about we give Jesus a round of applause? Awesome. Uh, give somebody a high five before you sit down. Tell them welcome home. Welcome home. It is an amazing thing to be in the house of God on Formation Fridays. Um, we say this constantly, but Fridays is when people make the most mistakes in their lives, man. They end up with headaches the next day, end up regretting, pretending like they don't remember what happened on Friday night. Uh, but uh, you guys are here. Instead of being deformed, you're being formed. And it is amazing because I believe that God has something really, really special for us tonight. Amen? Amen. Um, if you're here today for the first time, we want to say honestly, welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, I hope that today uh, is today's the second part of something we call the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. It sounds like a mouthful. And uh, we covered six of these last week. Before we go to the last six of these, uh, I want to kind of... If you're, if you're barely joining us, kind of let you know why we're doing this and uh, a quick, quick overview of the first six. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. So, um, hold on a second. That looks weird. It doesn't look like I don't mind. There it is. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, the reason we do this is because we know that we are not to be just believers. Anyone can believe. The Bible says that the demons believe in God. But then they tremble when they hear his name. And so, sure, you can have a demon-level faith, which is just believing in God. But demons can do that. Does that make sense? And we don't want to do that. We want to actually not just be believers, but uh, actually be disciples of Jesus Christ. Which, really, it's a world apart. Hey, are you uh, religious? No. Are you religious? No. <laughs> well, I am. Are you? No. I am. No, I'm not. It's really confusing who's religious and who's not. I... Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a gym before. Anybody raise your hand you've been to a gym? Okay. Come on, right. Say it with pride. I am a proud member. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, anyway, so, if, <laughs> I just going to say something funny, but. Anyway, so, people are really committed to the gym. Uh, and they really believe in that they're going to have this amazing transformation in this place. And I'm not speaking against going to the gym. I think you should. It's great. It's good for the body. All these amazing things. Keeps you healthy. But some people are much, much more religious when it comes down to their body than when it comes down to God. And so just because somebody says, oh, are you religious? Uh, have you ever seen somebody do CrossFit before? They're so committed, man. Their life, their eating habits, their friendships, their mornings, their noons, their nights. And I see many believers like Christians that are half committed as CrossFit people. And I'm thinking that's intense. They're working out for this body and like I said, I have nothing in CrossFit. Man, if you're doing it, awesome. Maybe you could teach us a little bit of that. Some of us can use it. You know what I mean? But, but when, when, when it comes down to really what are we? Who are we? We don't care about being religious. We don't care about being Christians. We want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I tell people all the time, especially the girls, don't go out with a Christian. It'll mess you up. Go out with someone who has a calling on their life. Somebody who actually loves God and wants to please Him. And actually wants to not just know the Bible and actually, actually, actually argue with you. But somebody who actually wants to live out the word of God. 
Amen? And so the reason we're doing this is because we believe that God wants to multiply his character, his life, through you to other people. Does that make sense? The Bible talks about this is the Great Commission. And that Great Commission is for all, for every single one of us. Therefore, I, I, I ask you, that's what God says. He says, therefore, go. I'm commanding you, go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded them. And I will be with you. Oh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you till the end of the age. Or I will be with you to do this task until it's completed. The reason I say this is because a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, omit this part of Christianity. They think, I'll do that when I get maturing in Jesus. Or when I believe more. Or when I have more faith. And when I know more. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Today, I was talking to our coach. I started doing jujitsu again, and it is so fun. And my knee's holding up. Praise God. That's pretty good. And so anyway, so until it doesn't, then I'm going to keep doing it. So uh, no, it's really cool. Louis went, and I think who else went? And Manolo went too. Where's Manolo at? No. Wow. Okay, so anyway, so hey, yeah, whatever. So anyway, so one of the things is this, is that I, I was telling the coach today, like, I need a goal. I can't just train to train. I want to get something somewhere. I want to know that I'm getting better. And so he's like, oh, well, there's a tournament coming up on February. I was like, oh, that's kind of soon. You know, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, but if you want to do this, okay, yeah, let's do it, coach. And so, so when you have a goal, then you actually know what you need to work on. You actually know that you're getting better. But if you have no goals, if you just do things to just do things, you will, listen, you will get discouraged. You will not have the same drive. You will not have the same intensity. And there's a lot of Christians, believers, that have no goal in their Christian lives. They pretend like being a believer was the goal. And that was never the goal. Christ didn't come to make you a believer. Like I said, demons believe. He came to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. And that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. So quit acting like coming to church is the success, is the victory. Sure, coming to church is a start. But that is not where it's at. I have a gym set at home and I never touch it. Having it is not success. How many of you guys know that? Oh, I just went on offer up, man. That's all it takes. Do you know what I'm saying or no? Just haggle a little bit, get a little deal here, bring it home. I'm not succeeding at Jack. When I'm actually doing it, I'm working it out. That's what the Bible talks about. Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Literally do something with what you know of Jesus Christ. And this is the wild thing about this. That when you start living and walking with God and working with God, you fall in love with Him more and more. You begin to see His signs, His wonders, His miracle working power in your life and through your life. It is when you're a sitting duck that the enemy tears you apart. He destroys you. He literally destroys your faith, your life. Why? Because you were on defense mode your entire Christian life. Instead of going on offensive, on the offensive and moving forward and advancing and conquering from glory to glory and victory to victory. Instead, you're just waiting for the enemy to hopefully not be so bad to you. Amen? And so we want to teach this church to be multiplying disciples. Every single one of us this coming year. If you're here today, this next year, 2019, will be a year of conquest. A year of complete, incredible multiplication in your life. I don't care what your struggles are today. Tomorrow there will be someone else's, listen, someone else's inspiration. Your struggle today will be someone else's motivation. Whatever you're going through right now, as hard, as difficult as it is right now. Whatever it is that you think you're struggling, that you cannot overcome. If you let the Lord work in your life, in your character, through the power of His Holy Spirit, in your intimacy with Him. You will find answers, solutions, power 
to be able to overcome and be an overcomer and help other people come to the other side. Amen? And so the desire of this ministry is not just to teach you. We are not teachers. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And a disciple can multiply disciples. If you're not a disciple, you can never multiply into a disciple. Or you can never multiply disciples. You could teach what you know, but only reproduce what you are. Well, I could teach you all kinds of things, but I could only reproduce what I am. Amen. And so we are disciples of Christ. We want to actually share the heart of God. And this is where we want to begin. This next year, we want to start forming every area of our lives again. I realize that we kind of put it in cruise control sometimes and assume that church will do everything. But in reality, church is a help. Church is so beautiful. Church is a place where a group of believers come. They worship God. And listen, we pray, we train, we prepare so that we can go out and live whatever is being taught. But sometimes we don't know which areas we need to be formed in. Sometimes we think we're doing great. Sometimes we think, man, I'm doing great in this and this and this. And in reality, you're getting your butt whooped in that area of your life. And you're not getting better in it. And then you're blaming God because he's not showing up. And in reality, God has, is not at fault. It is that you don't even realize what areas of your life need to be worked on. So this is why we chose these 12. Is there 12 only? Now there's probably like a million. We just decided to focus on these. Is that okay? Okay, cool, cool. So the first one is a heart for God, and you guys already know that one, a heart for God. I'm not going to read the verses, but a heart for God is tested uh, when other important things compete for our time and our attention. So do you have a heart for God, right? Second thing, do you depend on the Holy Spirit? Third thing, what's the third thing? Anybody? Awesome. Teachable attitude. Those people that said it, teachable. Good job, good job. The rest of you guys, not yet. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Teachable attitude. Um, the ne- of course, I put Rocky Balboa, Rocky and Mickey. And then the, the fourth one is purpose-driven. Your entire life must be purpose-driven. Purpose equals power in the present for the future. Amen? The next one, relationship building. You may have a heart for God. You may have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. You may be super teachable. You may be super purpose-driven, but you suck at relationships. You're offensive. You're a jerk. You cannot treat people right. We don't want to multiply that. Amen? You don't want to multiply that. Trust me. Amen? So we want to work on relationships. We want to work on how to bless people, how to not do things for ourselves. Even, listen, please, even if that other person may not deserve it, but how to be Christ-like in our relationship, super important. Amen? That goes into marriage, into friendships, into business relationships all around. Now, we're going to go deeper into each one of these, like I said, when the time comes. And you're going to be able to truly ask your cell leader, hey, you know what? For example, yesterday I was talking to somebody from Germany, uh, Bent, you guys may know him. We went through all these 12, and we are like at midnight. And I said, okay, now, so what you're going to do is you're going to listen to Friday's recording, the next Friday's recording. And then you're going to grade yourself. You're going to go from 1 through 10 on each one of these areas. And you're going to tell me, man, pastor, I am awesome at this. I'm awesome at this. But this area, it really, really is bad. I said, but then I'm going to ask somebody who knows you really well to grade you on these 10 areas. And you may think you're awesome at it, but maybe you're not so awesome. And so, or maybe you do need help in that area. Oh, I'm great at relationships. Really? Because it doesn't seem like you are. You could have a lot of butterfly. You could have a lot of shallow relationships But do you go deep with people? Do you actually care like a real friend does? Does that make sense? So anyway, so a servant's heart is number six, super important. And then here we go. This is where we are in this seventh. And here we go. You guys good? If you want to get deeper into this last six, 
I recommend you guys go to last week's podcast, and it is all broken down, and it is, it is really, really cool uh, to be able to go back and study those things. Cool. So here we go. Are you guys ready? Yeah? yeah? All right, cool, cool. If you're taking notes, go ahead and put excellent and consistent spirit. Now, I put excellent and consistent, not just excellent, because anyone can appear to be excellent once, but can you be consistently excellent? The power of again. Do you remember that? That anyone can do it once, but can you do it again and again and again? And when you get tired, do it one more time and again. And that's what champions are made of, right? Anyone can win one time. Anyone can be a one-hit wonder and, you know, anyone can get lucky one time. Anyone can do things once when they're fine and happy and everyone's doing it. But can you have the consistency in your life to continuously do things right over and over and over an excellent spirit. And I put Rolex as an example because Rolex has this amazing, in, this incredible thing about them that everything they do is excellent. These handmade products, these handmade uh, you know, uh, watches, they're so expensive. They are a quarter of a million dollars, some of them. The average of a Rolex is $8,000. And I would tell you even more so. $15,000, $10,000. How many guys have a $10,000 watch? Don't raise your hands so we don't chop your hand off. Okay, good, good, good. So you, you may have a $10,000 watch. Great. Listen, listen. How do you know it's real? Because the glue is not around the little, the little crown, you know what I'm saying? It, it's not misspelled. It doesn't have like things like that are like out of place. Do you know what I'm saying? The, the gold is not rubbing off when you go really hard on it. Do you guys know what I'm saying or no? Okay, uh, these are the things that Rolex does so well. The details. It's not just a watch. It's a timepiece. You know, it's not just that. It's, it's a work of art. And if you can see it that way, this is how the Word of God sees it. So whatever you eat or drink or whether, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Do you do everything for the glory of God? I mean, Rolex does these things so excellent that if you're wearing a... A timeco, or <laughs> anybody know what timecos are? No? Anyway, so you don't know. They're really cheap watches. Or, or let's just say a good citizen. Well, good citizens are pretty good. They're average, you know? But then you say Rolex, you're like, whoa, you got a Rolex? Anybody have a Rolex on right now? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Damn, we could have jumped on, get on real quick. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10.30 says that whatever you do should give you glory. That whatever you do, no, should give God glory that whenever you do things people would say man who did that who's doing this whose hands are in this matter maybe at work you want to win people for Jesus this is going to get real real quick you want to win people for Jesus but you show up late all the time take a longer lunch you're the last one in your in your sales you know you don't complete things you don't turn things in on time you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of goof around a little too much or you're too serious all the time. Or maybe just maybe your boss knows you as that one person with, you know, with lack of excellence. You do things half-hearted. You could never be a multiplying disciple. People could never follow that. Why? Sure, they could like you. Sure, you can have a heart for God. You can depend on the Holy Spirit. But that lack of excellence takes the glory away from God. It tells people, I'm sorry, but the creator of that timepiece, not that good. Not a Rolex, more like a citizen. Not even a citizen, maybe not like a resident. You know, like this guy is definitely not someone that the hands of the creator are all over. Can I say this? 
If you are not being excellent, you're doing your life a disservice and you're also doing God a disservice. So it is confronting today. But can you be excellent in the small things? This is my greatest challenge in my entire life. My biggest challenge is being excellent in the things that nobody cares, nobody sees, things that no one really knows about, like where my tools go. I told you guys last week, it is so difficult to keep things organized when you have all these little things. And I started thinking about this, and I'm not playing. I started thinking, God, help me to be excellent in the things that no one cares about. Because when it comes down to all the other things, it'll take care of themselves. If you can do the small things with excellence, I'm telling you guys, everything else will take care of itself. It's exercise. It's working out so that when the big challenges come, it's second nature to you. Put it like this. Every opportunity you have to be excellent is your opportunity to train so that when you really need it, when it counts most, it's second nature to you. I try to learn how to play the guitar. And some things need to become second nature. When you're leading worship, you can't be looking at your guitar all the time during worship. If you see someone doing that, they suck. If you're looking at your, your instrument the entire time to see if you're hitting the note right, you're not a musician. You should not be leading anyone. You should be taking lessons. And that's it. Come on, somebody. Say hi. <laughs> the pastor's so mean. No, I just don't like. No, I just know what it's like. You know, and so some things need to become second nature. You need to practice them until they become second nature. And so in the same way, to practice those things in excellence will bless your family. It will bless your business. It will bless your life. It will bless your school. It will bless everyone, everyone around you. Excellent. Consistency. The Bible says, I like the NIV version on this one. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What if God is watching you to make sure that you have the consistency so that he can trust you with so much more? I actually know that's a fact. Because when God can trust you consistently to do things, to come through, to do things over and over right, he has no reason to keep things from you. Pastor Oriel says that God is protecting some things from you. Because if he trusts you with them, you will destroy them or you will mismanage them. You don't know what to do with them and they will hurt you. Some of you, your disciples are being protected from you. The people that should be coming to your cell group. And you're not getting those people. Why? Because... You have not been consistent in your Christian walk. Man, some of us in here are finances. Can I say this? Please listen. Be a good steward. Be consistent in your finances, in your offerings, your tithings. That's the first thing. But let's go a little bit deeper. Man, what about this? In honoring, honoring with your finances the Lord. Making sure that you understand that it's His and you're a good steward of it. What about this? Just simply being a good steward of your friendships and your relationships. If you cannot keep a friendship that is good, that is solid, you don't put anything into it. Why would God give you more friendships? So that you can make them feel bad as well. So that you can, you know, treat them as foreigners as well. These are challenges that we go through. You must understand. Listen, being consistent, being consistent is such an important part of a Christian's life. Inconsistencies cannot let Man, when somebody's inconsistent, it's really hard to follow you. Man, it's like driving. Have you ever been driving behind somebody? Say, hey, follow me. And they're driving, and they don't know what the heck they're doing. They run yellow lights, and you're like, stop it. Because then you get the ticket, and they don't get the ticket. Do you know what I'm saying? Or maybe they exit a little too quick, and you don't have time to switch lanes. Why? Because they're erratic. They don't know where they're going. They're just as lost as the person that's following them, if not even worse. 
Does that make sense? And so why do I say this? Because if you are not consistent in your life, it'll be hard to be followed. Oh, see, then I guess I'm not going to become a leader. Fine. Be dumb. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying grow so that God can trust you more. Amen? Grow so that people can trust you more. When you're consistent, you know what? Sometimes showing up when no one else shows up, even if the person that invited you didn't show up, but you showed up, you know who shows up with you? The Holy Spirit. The other day, one of my friends had an appointment with someone. He's a pastor from somewhere, and that person stood him up. I love this attitude. He said, you know, I guess God brought me all the way, all the way to Riverside. He said, I guess God brought me all the way out here to admire his creation, the trees and the beautiful Riverside. I, was, I almost laughed because Riverside is not beautiful. <laughs> Unless you're from Riverside, then it's amazing. It's incredible, man. I'm so glad you're from Riverside. You know, but I was like, <laughs> what an incredible attitude. And he, he had such an a, a amazing attitude. And I just love that he was faithful. He was faithful. He was the one that had this godly lifestyle about him am I making sense that consistency maybe the other guy didn't show up but I know that God showed up I know that God was there he was seeing his faithfulness and out of that he will be rewarded for I promise you that amen so being consistent and being excellent does not depend on who's asking you it depends on who's being asked that is you amen cool next this one is super super cool I absolutely love this one and uh sorry next oh wait, wait. I, I didn't put the phrase so let me give you guys a phrase that I Kind of wrote here. Oh, no, no. Let's go. Trustworthy. So trustworthy. This is, uh, you may say, isn't that the same thing as consistent? Eh, you'll see why not. Well done, good and faithful servant of the Lord. Do you follow through? You use the same verse. But do you follow through? Are you where you said you would be, when you said you would be, and do what you said you would do? What is the difference between someone consistent and someone who is trustworthy? Okay, someone consistent may be doing the same consistent thing, but it doesn't mean it's a good thing. So you could be super consistent, but it doesn't mean you're consistent in great matters. For example, I know people that are very consistent in lying. They consistently lie. One of the most consistent persons I've ever met is a compulsive liar. And I'm like, dude, you're so good at this. You must be practicing for years. You believe your own stuff. I don't, I don't know if you guys ever met someone like that. It's intense. You're like, wow, this is like such a consistent behavior. Maybe some people are consistently, con I mean, just consistently, um, how do I say this? Uh, consistently sad. Consistently angry. Consistent. But can we be consistently trustworthy? Can we... Be the kind of person that somebody else says, that person I can trust them with my kids if I pass away. That's the biggest test for me. Would I be able to leave my children with this person? Or would I be like, heck no. I think my kids would be staying with that person. Or that person would be staying with my kids. <laughs> can you be consistent? But can you also be someone who's trustworthy? Yes, you're going to follow through, but follow through with the right things. Do the, do the right thing. You know, actually handle business. Do what you said you would do. Go and be where you said you would be. Is that okay? You guys good? Okay, one more thing about trustworthiness. Let me stay here. I'm still learning this program. So one more thing about trustworthiness that I think it's super, super beautiful. When you find someone trustworthy, girls, and it's a guy, marry him. Uh, what if I don't like him? Don't worry about it. Just marry him. Let me tell you why. If somebody has earned your trust and values you to the point where they will put themselves at risk and other people even 
just to keep that trust. They don't just value you. Listen to this, okay? They value you guys. They value the relationship. They value what's at stake. When somebody comes through consistently and is there for you and is that amazing. I'm not saying that you go marry the first rock. I'm just saying, dude, like when someone can be so trustworthy in your life, you have no idea how precious, how valuable that is. When you can have somebody be there for you all the time, no matter what, man, it is gold. I got to tell you, our value system is so twisted. I just got to say this, men, if you find a woman who's trustworthy, hang on to that girl. She's amazing. Trustworthiness is so beautiful. Remember this, everything sags, everything falls, everything enlarges. Everything at some point is going to get wrinkled. Everything at some point is going to just go past. But man, but trustworthiness grows with time. Trustworthiness is a compliment to you every single day. When someone can be Man, man, when somebody can value you so much that they're trustworthy worthy to you, it's a beautiful thing. In church, I can tell you this. I don't want to surround myself with talent without trustworthiness. I would 10 times rather have someone trustworthy than someone talented. You know why? Because we can work on all the other things. But if someone's not trustworthy, come on now. What can you put in their hands? What can you trust them with? Nothing. Talent is very overrated. You could work through issues. Man, you could work through stuff as long as you can trust that person. Amen? Did you know Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, he was the most and still is the most trustworthy person that ever walked this earth. God trusted him with your salvation and mine, with the sins of the world to be carried to the cross, and for him to be able to say, hey, I'm going to carry this for the whole entire humanity. Trustworthiness, I'm going to say it like this trustworthiness is the appreciation of the relationship to the point that it's inconvenient man it's so inconvenient to me but i appreciate it so much i'm gonna come through i'm gonna follow through i'm gonna do this thing amen, amen. disappointments eat away at relationships and when you've been let down one time you could do you could put up with it two times you could put up with it three times four times five times eventually it's gonna crack the relationship is this too heavy for some of you guys? If you have not been trustworthy to the person that God has put in your life, maybe to your leadership or maybe to your disciples, today's a good day of repentance. Today's a good day to be able to say, God, I'm sorry if I have not been trustworthy. If my, my relationship with the person that, that I'm supposed to be trustworthy to has not been valuable enough to me. If I took it for granted and I just let them down once, twice, three times, four times. I love God. Because he's so faithful and he's so forgiving. But he's not an idiot. My God is smart. My God is amazingly intelligent. And he can trust you with so much. But at the same time, if you're not a trustworthy person, as I read in the scripture time after time after time after time, he will not waste his resources. He will not waste his time. And he will not waste his people on someone who refuses to do his part. Over and over and over again, I see that in the scripture. Kings and queens. Incredible people, man. Like... Prophets of the Lord who decided not to be trustworthy at some point. And God said, Saul, I can't trust you no more. Solomon, you're so wise, but you, I couldn't trust you in the small things. One after the other. Is that okay? Are you guys all right? You're like, Pastor, I brought a new friend today. Why you got to go there? Let's go. He's a trustworthy friend. More now. All right, let's go next. So that's what it says here. Um, 
Anyway, so I just want to focus on the well done. Okay, cool, cool. So honorable and honoring, this is such a cool one. And I chose this picture because to me it's like such a beautiful picture of honor. Um, you know, they have these veterans who have definitely earned their stripes, literally earned their stripes. I don't know what those stripes mean. I just know that there's a lot of them. And, for example, Mr. I mean, maybe, I don't know if he's captain. I don't know what he is. I don't know what that is. Anybody know? Anybody in the armed forces? Who? Mr. Moore. Sergeant Major? That's what I thought. So, Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major Morris, um, you know, he has earned his stripes. I don't know if he has scars in his body, but all I know is this, is that he has gone to places and done things that I haven't done, and for that, I owe him respect. Okay, the other day I was translating at the, at the, at, in the city of Maywood, and the, the sergeant, which, what's the highest rank in the sheriff's? One of the highest ranks, anybody know? Anybody been in trouble enough to know? No, above the captain, he's above the captain. Chief, yeah, he's a chief. Yeah, he was a chief. And so he, he retired like last, last year. And so um, everybody calls him Jim. I don't know what they call him now. I just can't call him Jim. I'm like, he's a senior. He's an older man. And he's like, he was, he was like up there, you know. And uh, I've translated for this guy. He's super amazing and he's super personable. But I just cannot get myself to just, in Spanish we call tutear. Tutear. Hey, you, you, you. You know, like in, in English a little bit different. But I just can't call him. Because he earned that title to me. Does that make sense? He's protected our community for a long time. He's done an incredible job. And so it's hard for me to hear that. Why? Because when people stop honoring someone else. By the way, I don't mean that we become so uptight and we only use titles. Hello, doctor, and it's your dad. You know what I mean? It's like, no. Like, I mean that you need to learn and I need to learn. We all need to learn to honor the people that deserve honor. The Bible says that give honor where honor is due. What honor does is it increases your input. It increases your value. When you are a dishonorable person, you have robbed yourself from the greatest treasures that God has come in your way. When a dishonorable person, listen, when a dishonorable person allows themselves to believe themselves equal to everybody, you have lost a great and most beautiful price. Now, I know the American side's kicking right now. We are all equal. Matter of fact, you and I. And then we go back to the Constitution or something like that. You know, and I, I, I can tell you this. We're not equal. I am not equal to everybody. Let me tell you why. If I stand up here and I try to tell you, listen, I try to tell you um, stuff about how, okay, let's go with the ladies. Okay, so ladies, if I try to tell you women how to be a woman, I probably don't have the same authority as my wife does. Does that make sense? Why? Because I'm not a woman. Thank you very much. You guys are still wondering, huh? You guys, mm. Okay, I'm not a woman. So I have never experienced things that you have. I've never had my period before. I've never gone through any of those issues. I've never felt bloated. I never had a fat day. I never had a, you know, like I've never had that where I'm uncomfortable for like, 40 hours, you know, I've never, or 40 hours, like two weeks, you know what I mean, like, I don't know, I've never had a hormone rush where I want to kill someone and then hug them, never in my life, I don't know how to be a woman, I don't have the authority to tell you, hey, be a man, does that make sense, why, because I have always been a man, so I cannot tell you, I haven't been through, I haven't earned it, sometimes we think that just because we're alive, everyone else has the same right to tell everyone else everything else. I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's dishonorable. It is so dishonorable. When somebody in your life has done something that is worthy of honor, honor it so you can learn that. 
so you can value it, so you can see it, and instead of devalue it and treat it as common, so you could hopefully one day learn to do that same thing and be that same way. In our nation, in your age group, please listen, you are the greatest, you're the most in danger of being dishonorable. I've traveled to different parts of the world. I've lived in different nations. And I've never lived in a nation more dishonorable than the one that I'm in. And I'm not saying that everyone's that way. What I'm saying is you're in the greatest danger. Do you know why? Because you lost something. And today, I pray to God that he helps us get it back. And that is the culture of honor. The culture of honor. In our country, in our nation, old people are disposed. Old people are not treated the way that older people are treated in other countries. In other countries, old people are a price to be cherished. They are a source of wisdom. There are people that they see them and they honor them and they respect them. When I look at certain cultures, I'm amazed at what happens. I remember one time, please listen, one time when I was joking around with my grandma in Mexico. I said, hey, grandma, you know, uh, we're going to put you in a home. I almost got jumped by everybody around me. I was like, never mind. Like my home, I said, my home. <laughs> it was so, it was like, it didn't even cross. Now, I'm not saying that there's no difficult situations and some things need to happen. I get it. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Are you someone who knows what honor even means? What it looks like? Are we able to really look at someone and say, I value you so much. I can take it from you. Because I honor you. Ah, nobody tells me, Jack. Ah, it's called dishonor. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. Honor your leadership. Honor your boss. Ah, yeah, I know. But honor. You see, when you honor, it blesses you so much. The Bible talks about do not throw your pearls to the pigs. This is what I think. God wants to give you so many incredible things, but only when you learn to honor. Listen, when you honor, you grow. When you honor, you get blessed. When you honor, you get placed in high places of authority that you would not have been able to make it through your talent, through your strength, through your knowledge, through your wisdom. It is only through honor. Why? Because some things only flow from the top to the bottom, from the head to the bottom. Listen, the greatest, most beautiful secret in nature that I found is that water always runs to the lowest places. Water always looks for the lowest places. Water doesn't go uphill, only in Knott's Berry Farm. Water does not flow upward. If you really want to receive, humble yourself before the sight of God, and He will lift you up. He will lift you up. Cannot tell you how many times we worked with people, you know, in the interpretation business, for example. A new guy comes along thinking he's the hot stuff, and he knows what he's doing, and it's just a matter of time until God humbles him, and he just looks like, ooh, it's really bad stuff. This guy was trying to translate for this guy in Brazil. I mean, a Brazilian guy in one of the conventions. And he got all up there. He got his position because he had a position. He kind of moved everybody out of the way. And I got this one. I got this one. And I was like, really, God? Really, really, dog? And you know, we just kind of backed off. You know, the girl that was there, I backed off. We're like, okay, cool. You got it. It was so bad, his translation. He wanted the position that he had to be removed halfway through the job. It was one of the most embarrassing. I was like, they kind of took the mic away from Gave the mic to somebody else. I was like, all right, I'll just keep on going. How dishonorable is that for that person? Why? Because he was trying to put himself in a position. But when you learn what honor means, honor is seeing someone that has been there, seeing someone that has something to offer and valuing that thing to offer. I don't want to beat a dead horse, dead horse here, but can I tell you one more thing about honor? Honor 
brings you so much joy. Honor helps you be undercover. Listen, when you're honorable, this is one of the coolest things I've found. If you are in a place, say there's an earthquake, right? And things are just going nuts, like things are just shaking. The first thing you do is you do what? You drop. You find somewhere to get undercover. Because the big load, the heavy stuff will fall under that cover and hopefully save your life. Find something strong, something stable like a doorpost or maybe a chair or next to the bed to where you can have everything fall on your cover. Did you know that's what happens? When you're undercover, man, your cover takes a whole lot, th- a whole lot of things that you never even will experience because you were so blessed to be undercover. But when you stand up and you think you got this and you think you could take it all and you could get out of cover, it is when you face the worst dangers of your life. If you know what I'm saying, just say amen. If you have no idea, don't worry about it. It is not for you. But undercover is a wonderful thing. When you stay undercover, at least for me, it's always been a blessing. I am undercover and I will remain undercover. And when that cover, if one day that cover decides not to cover me, I'll find somebody else to cover me. Because I need a cover. In my marriage, I need someone that's above me that can speak into my life that I honor enough to humble myself before them and say, even if I think I'm right, I know you look out for me. Even if I think I'm right and my wife is wrong, I honor this person enough to take their perspective above my perspective. Do you know the blessing it is to have that? If I could, man, I could pull you 10 people right now, 10 people right now whose jobs have been saved, marriages have been spared, 10 people right here whose ministries have not fallen apart just because of honor. Because they say, you know, I'm not going to see it my way. I'm just going to see it that way. But I don't like it, but I guess I see it. Do you know what honor will do to you? It'll bless you. It'll protect you. Let me go a little bit further. This is what uh, uh, the Word of God says. Obey your spiritual leaders. And of course, some of you think, well, that's convenient for you to teach. You're the pastor. Okay, fine. Find another pastor that you could honor. And I trust, please believe me. Go honor someone. Go bless somebody. Go believe that that person actually can help you. And that person will bless you so much. You will be so blessed. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them. Recognize their authority over you. Check this out. For they are keeping watch over your soul and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship for you. That's scary. That one day God's going to ask me, hey, so uh, how was Marcos and Virgil? Uh, They're good. Where are they? I don't know. Wait a minute. I put them under your care. You're accountable for them. And I'll be like, sorry. And I think God will ask me, were they honorable? I said, yes. And he'll blame me for that if you were honorable. But if you were dishonorable, he'll say, okay, it was on them. Because that's what the word of God says. They will keep watch over you. They are being held accountable for your life. Honor those people. Next thing it says, let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans. For this would be of no benefit to you. I put it like this. Honor is an awareness of your love, respect, and profound appreciation. Stemming from the heart, but manifested in words, attitudes, and actions. Amen? It's an awareness of your love and respect and profound appreciation. Do me a favor before we go to the next point. Do you have someone in your life that you actually truly honor? I mean that, that you constantly and and really genuinely, and listen, you don't know you really honor someone until that person has to rebuke you. Until that person has to go against what you think and what you say, and you say, fine. I actually do honor this person. Honor them above me. Oh, I'll honor them as long as we are cool. But I will not honor them when they take my wife's side. You know what I'm saying? Honor. Listen, 
If you want to know if you're honorable, start getting formed. Start actually getting disciple. You'll know really quick if you need more honor. Your, man, your pride will tell you, just get out of here, man. What the heck? You don't have the right. You don't have the right. And then you'll know, oh, maybe I'm not as honorable as I thought I was. That okay? Cool. If you're new, I'm sorry about that one. Just, just, just be patient. All right, cool, cool. So uh, the kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded. By the way, this is not just about Christianity, man. This goes along in family and jobs. Man, people lose incredible jobs over just being dishonorable. You know what I mean? Just being prideful and instead of learning how to honor people, honor their coworkers, they, they go around doing thinking dumb stuff uh, because they don't know what honor is. Here we go. Next. Kingdom minded, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Say with me, all. All these things will be added unto you. It's not about you. Build his kingdom. The quicker we learn this, that it is about building the kingdom of God the quicker God will be able to release his blessings over your life. Now, obviously, obviously, most of us in here know what building the kingdom of God actually means. But for those of you that don't know, being a part of a kingdom is not something natural to Americans because we're not a kingdom. We are a democracy. There's a big difference between a kingdom and a democracy. You chose your president. Well, I didn't. Okay, you, we, Americans, we chose our president. In one way or another, we voted. We chose. We can say we're going to impeach the president. We, we're going we're gonna to overthrow. We're going to recall such council member. You know, we're going to say no to the mayor and, you know, and all these things. But if you know if you're in a kingdom, you didn't choose Jack. You did not choose the king or the queen. They are simply that. You don't say, well, I don't really like the queen much and so um yeah i'm gonna vote to impeach queen uh whatever that doesn't work in a kingdom in a kingdom people love their kings their queens if they're a good king even more so in a kingdom you're under that cover of the kingdom in the kingdom you could be in another territory you could be i mean you could be in another uh mass of land like an island and still be part of the kingdom you're taken care of you're protected by that kingdom listen Seeking the kingdom of God does not mean going to church. Seeking the kingdom of God means being the church everywhere you go. Seeking the kingdom of God means I want to actually look for the king and what it is that he wants. And what it is that pleases him. And that will make me part of the kingdom. I can be within the kingdom and still not be part of the kingdom. It's called a traitor. I can be part of the kingdom and still not be part of the kingdom. It's an outsider. It's someone who's come to visit. But to be part of the kingdom of God, it means I take him as my king. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he my Lord? The kingdom of God means this. His agenda has become my agenda. Eunia and I watch a series. We, there's this thing that we do together. Every once in a while we'll sit down. We'll, you know, we'll watch Netflix. And it is called, what's it called, love? Are you here? What is it called? The Last Kingdom, I think. Yeah, I don't necessarily recommend everybody to watch it, but it's what we watch. So anyway, so um, it's about this, this kingdom and, you know, the barbarians and I don't know, stuff like that. I don't even know the, I don't know the names and stuff. But anyway, so it is so amazing because there's this king, the king of Wessex and you know, the king of England. And, and he is this guy who can probably be like pushed over by someone's thumb and like he'll die. You know, he's super weak. He's like super, he's dying. He's like sick. And... Uh, and what keeps him as a leader, it is literally lineage. Listen to this. It is his bloodline. And I'm thinking, that's intense. Like, no American would ever appreciate that because we're all equal. 
right? We don't think that way. We think, I voted you in, you're going to serve me. We pay your salary. I've heard people say that to the mayor down, down the road. And I think, we think that way towards God. I don't agree with you, God. And God's like, really? I don't like what you're saying to me. And God is like, okay, so what are we going to do about this? Am I making sense? We don't know what building the kingdom of God is because we don't know what a king is. A king is above my opinion. A king is above my likes and dislikes. Until we learn that, we will always be butting heads with the government that God wants to establish in your life. The reason why a lot of people fight against Christianity is because they still love their internal spiritual democracy. Let's agree with this, God. Unless we agree, then we're not going to go through with it. We didn't get unanimous vote. We didn't get enough votes. Not enough eyes versus nays. And so, no, we're not doing this. And God says, no, I don't want that for your life. This is where a lot of people cut bait. A lot of people in Christianity lose it. They say, I don't agree with this. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't like that. And the Lord, I know he's so good to us and so kind and so patient. So patient. So beautiful. Another king would have cut your head off. I, as a king, would have cut my head off a long time ago. But the Lord is so kind and so good. And he says, yeah, I'm, guards, just hold on a second. Hold on a second. I paid a great price for this one. Let me just work with them. Just hold on a second. From a slave, I made him my son, my child, the royal lineage. So hold on a second. Even if he's subversive, there you go, trying to sound smart. You know, even if he's rebellious, you know what I mean? Like, even if he is rebellious, it's okay. I love him. Just give me, just wait. I don't like this. I know. So who changes, you or the king? In a kingdom, who changes? In democracy, we force our way through it. We stage a coup if we don't like it. In a kingdom, who changes? I don't like this anymore. I know, it's called Christianity. It's called the Bible. God stands above me. God stands above you. What is right and what is wrong is not determined, as much as you and I like to say this, is not determined by the masses. It is determined by the Word of God. And that is the truth, and that's what's so hard about the masses, that we want to keep control. We want to learn, we want to keep the control of messing up our lives all on our own instead of God actually showing us how to do it right. Please listen. A lot of the things that I have to live in my life, I didn't like them at first, and then I love them. Like one of these is this. For example, please listen. My wife is, being, is to be treated in my marriage as Christ treated the church. He sacrificed himself for the church. He loved the church to death. He saw its blemishes and he covered them with his own blood. Now I'm not saying I'm going to go cut myself, cover my wife's pimples. You know, what it does say is this. When my wife has a fault, it is my, my job, my responsibility, my duty, my pleasure to help her in those areas and to cover her back. Why? Because she's my bride. Not yours, mine. Am I making sense? Can she be wrong? To you, not to me. Do you know why? Why? Because she's right for me. She's my wife. You know who taught me this? My pastor, and I hated it. When I would sit there in these men conventions, and he would talk about these things, I'd be like, your wife, because she's perfect. Now, don't tell Eonia I said that. She's sitting back there. But I remember one specific time, one specific time, when God really confronted me with taking coffee in the morning. Eoni doesn't drink coffee. She makes it a little more complicated. It's called mate. And mate is a longer process than coffee. Coffee, you set it and forget it, and in the morning you have it. 
Mate, you gotta care for it, man. You gotta like, you just gotta love it. You gotta, you gotta put it in your mouth. <laughs> All these things, you gotta drink it, feel it. You gotta be part of it every morning. And I remember saying, I'm not gonna do that. Like, she knows I love her. I do other things. And then, literally, Pastor Cesar said, I know there's a lot of men here that refuse to do something so simple as this. How could, and he's just started, like, he literally spoke to me. And I don't know, I felt like he was just looking at me the whole time. Have you ever had that at church? Like right now? Yeah? Okay, good. That's a good thing. Because that's why I was like, dude, is, is he talking to me? Like, did Eoni talk to him? Is something going on? I remember so clearly, people were going up to the front. And I was just like, I'm not going to go to the front. I'm not going to go repent. You know, I'm a good husband. And honestly, it was so vivid. I was like, yeah, that's me, the first one. You know, that's kingdom mindset. It says, okay, Lord, I don't agree, and I never learned it because my dad died, and the other guy that my mom married has never been loving towards my mom. So where do I learn these things? These are kingdom things. They're not of the world. How many husbands do you know every single morning go to their wives and give them coffee? Wake them up with coffee, with a kiss, with love, with a rose. How many men do you know that? I know one that's my pastor, and that's so kingdom-minded. Some of you husbands just got it right now, yeah? No, you don't like it? Still want democracy? Yeah? All right, cool. Vote. <laughs> Try to vote. Got out of it. Christ served the church to death. He served the church while, listen, while the church was sinning against the Lord, Jesus was dying for it. While the church was acting like a fool, doing, like, literally, uh, these are hard words, but hoarding around, like, going against God, the God of the universe, the, the King of kings was still dying for you and for me. That is what God is about. And so kingdom principles will get you. Please listen. Only those kingdom principles can get you the kingdom blessings. If you want, a little, if you want to go a little deeper into this. Remind your leaders to teach you about the spiritual keys. The keys of the kingdom. How only some keys to the kingdom. Please listen. Will open kingdom blessings. You cannot manipulate your way using earthly keys. Or getting angry or manipulative and try to expect spiritual, beautiful kingdom blessings. Only kingdom keys could unlock kingdom blessings. You cannot get some blessings that are from the kingdom with earthly keys. Never, never. Does that make sense? Cool. So be kingdom minded. Advance the kingdom of God. What does it mean that my agenda is second? God is always first. Amen? Whew. Okay, last. No, no, one more. So... Here we go. Uh, can you guys see it? Is it moving? Yeah. This is my favorite picture. Joy filled. This is Louis when he was four. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Louis, for the picture. So it says, uh, look, look. Turn around smile, Louis. Louis. Uh, yeah, see it? It's so beautiful. Yeah, look at that. Smile, Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen, it is so amazing. Isn't that a cute smile? Isn't that like the biggest, most beautiful smile of a kid? Isn't it beautiful? Like, this kid is awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So anyway, so rejoice when? Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't know what God's will is for in my life. Smile. I don't know what God's will is. Smile. But what's God's will? Rejoice. But I'm not always, just in case you missed it, always rejoice. Why? Because you're his child. 
Have you ever seen a parent, listen, a parent anywhere in the world, anywhere in the streets or in the market, the other was in Food for Less, this little kid, listen, this look, look like the most miserable human being in the entire world. Listen, in the entire, I was looking at this kid, I was like, man, he's either a brat or his mom sucks. One of the two. Or he's a brat because his mom sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, it feels so good to have a happy child. It feels so good to have a happy child. When your child is joyous and happy, people can see you and say, something's good. You give God glory in your life when joy comes out of you. Now, it's different than happiness, of course. Because joy is in the spirit. Happiness is in the soul. Joy is in the spirit. Joy is above emotions, intellect, and will. Joy is something so deep that it impacts your soul. The way I see it is this. Joy is the root or it's in the root system, and happiness is in the fruit system. So when joy is there, it affects your fruit. Does that make sense? But your fruit cannot affect your joy, because it's your root. And so why do I say this to us? Because we chase so much happiness instead of joy. Start chasing joy instead of happiness. What a different story it is. Happiness is this. I'm going to get easy money. I'm going to get it quick. I'm going to get it now, no matter who I hurt. Because I want to be happy. Joy is this. I want to give. I'm going to give everything I can. As much as I can. As consistently as I can. Because that I know will give me longer lasting joy. Amen. Kingdom principles always carry into this next one. So joy is a commandment. Joy is not an option. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have an option. Oh, really? Yeah exactly. You don't have an option. Joy must be constantly in your life. And this is the best way I found to be joyous. Can I give you a secret? If you guys know me, I, you guys know I love to have fun. I love to be happy. But there's something that I found a long time ago. I was one of the most unhappy, bitter, like vindictive people I've ever met in my life. Ask my brother and he will tell you the truth. Something switched in my spirit. Something switched in my heart. And it's called the benefit of the doubt. I decided, that's the key word, I decided to believe the best that God had deposited in people. I decided to believe, even when things didn't look that way, even when things seemed different, I decided to see God working in people's lives. Even if they hurt you, even if they talk about you, even if, they, even if circumstances seem horrible, look at God at work in every single area. I cannot tell you how many times this has saved my life, my spiritual walk with Jesus and my ministry. When everyone else is getting mad, bitter, angry at someone, I can remain joyous because I can see the hand of God over their lives. Do you want to remain joyous? See the hand of God over your life. See the hand of God over people's lives. I don't care how bad the circumstance gets. If God is over it, it's going to be amazing, incredible. For all things work out for good. For those that what? I love him and what? Uh, that's the second part. <laughs> I live according to his purpose. If you are here today and you've been struggling with joy, this key can bless you. Just look at God working. Maybe it's not there yet. Maybe it's not finished. Maybe it's not complete. But you could see that God is at work. I can see that God is at work. Amen? Amen. Next is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this one. This one, uh, um, of course, I have to throw that in there. And so 12 hashtag relentless. Doesn't that look like that? Number 12. I put it backwards. Get it? Okay. Um, Hebrews 10.39, quite possibly Eunice's favorite verse in the entire scripture, maybe, just ask her. 
In the American Standard Bible, it says, But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have the faith to the persevering of the soul. The message version says the following. You think I'm making this up, but it's not. But one of... But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyalty, on loyal trust. I'm sorry. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we are not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. But we are not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. Hebrews 10.39. If you are to be a multiplying disciple, if you are... To multiply your faith unto your children's children or to your disciples' disciples. You must have something called relentlessness. You must be relentless. One time, two times, get up again and again. And again, oh, my people are not showing up to my cell group. I don't really care. It's not about the people showing up to your cell group. It's about you becoming relentless so that God can trust you with more. Man, relentlessness is such a beautiful thing. You cannot, man, I, I cannot overemphasize the beauty, the power that there is in someone who's an overcomer because of that relentless attitude. Man, stand up with me for a second, please. As you stand up, I don't know how to... These are the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. The things that we have found. And someone asked us, Pastor, how did you come up with these? I said, I didn't. There's so many different places that we gather these from. Some of you see from the heart or from the ministry. Or from the things we want to see in our 12. At first we started with 4. Then it became 6 and 7, of course. And then we had to go to 9. And then 12 seemed like a pretty good number. Why... In the world, would I take time on Friday nights, especially when brand new people come to do this? I knew that there was a risk of people thinking, wow, that seems like a lot. And I realized this that when someone wants to grow, a lot is a good thing. And when someone really wants to change their life, and instead of just fumbling around pretending that they want a, a little piece of God, they want all of it. All of it. Discipleship is getting your life back into the order of God. Discipleship is your life getting back into the order of God. When we left the house today, it was so cool. It was completely clean. Everything, the floors, everything so clean. Listen, have you ever come home to a clean house? Isn't it amazing? It's beautiful, right? But have you ever come home to a house that you're like, oh, man. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Did you ever not do your bed and you're looking at it when you go back and you're like, I feel more tired now. But then you come back and you have this bed, it's beautiful, it's made up, and you're like, mm -mm, that's my bed. Don't touch it. I want to mess it up myself. Do you know what I'm saying or no? Have you ever opened a stinking, nasty fridge full of old food? You're like, golly, I don't even want to open I'm not hungry anymore. Then when you open a fridge and it's all nice, neatly organized, food stocked, you're like, mm. I'm hungry again. I want to cook. Today, I am the cook. Why is it, Why is it, you guys, that life reminds us constantly of this? When things are in order, it is a pleasure to have them around. It is beautiful to have things in order. When your car is working in order, isn't it amazing? It's great. You don't even, man, it's great. When your car starts messing up, you're like, Ugh. 
Why, piece of junk? Listen, when things are in order, when things are working properly in your life, that you want more of it. People want more of it. When your life begins to get in order, things are orderly in your life. When your heart is right, when your spirit is dependent on the spirit of God. Man, when you become teachable and not stubborn and prideful. When in your life you become purpose driven. And people can see that, that you're not just a momentary person. That you're living for something greater. Well, you may be working in the same place, but man, you got a greater purpose. Your money is not for Fridays. Your money is for eternity. It's a very different mindset. Perhaps some of you in here, your relationships have been good, but they haven't been God's. You got good relationships, but we want God's relationships. The kind of relationships that are nurturing, growing you, challenging you, always, always developing, beautifying you and your family. Can you have this part in order? That you are the servant. That no one is supposed to be your servants. I don't care who they are, even if they're your little brother. You know how beautiful testimony your little brother, little sister would have if you are a servant to them. God will lift you up. I promise you. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying you become low self-esteemed. You got to have the God self-esteem. You're not being trampled. No, 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 no. You're not being taken for a fool. No. You're a servant of God. You're a servant of God. Well, why are you serving? Because I serve God. You're a servant of God. If that is in order, excellent, consistent, trustworthy, honorable, honoring, kingdom-minded, joy-filled, and relentless. Close your eyes, please. Dear God, I ask you right now that you give us a hunger for growth. That if anyone came here today expecting to come to church and hear a good message full of Bible explanations, here it is, Lord. I pray, God, that you help us to be biblical Christians. Christians that are servants like you, Jesus. Christians that know how to count everything like tr as trash compared to you and knowing you, God. That we learn to depend on you, Holy Spirit, not on circumstances, people, but first and foremost, your leading spirit. That we learn to treat you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not as another option or fire insurance. Dear God, I thank you because in this ministry, you are honored above anything else. You will always be the Lord of this ministry. No matter who, no matter what, you will always stand above us. Your authority is supreme, God. What you say in your word still is and will always be our most important marching orders, God. I pray right now that if someone here has a hard time having a king, that you reveal to them, Lord, what kind of king you are, the beauty of you, how beautiful, how incredible, how caring, how loving, how protective, how wonderful, how caring, how outlandishly giving you are, God. Jesus, please help us in this ministry, God, to desire formation again. God, give us hunger for growth. Give us hunger for formation. That if someone here, God, can see that their lives are out of order, that they would desperately seek formation. God, that I pray right now that people in this place, right here, would grow a godly desperation to grow again, to be, to be transformed more like, to be more like you, God. That they would have this desire to multiply into thousands for your glory, God. That you, Jesus, would be in them and then transmit it to others. God, that you, as you are, loving, caring, forgiving, passionate, compassionate, serving. 
God, that we will learn to be like you, excellent in every way. Jesus, help us, Lord. I know that there's people in this place, God, that think too highly of themselves and some too lowly of themselves or just too much about themselves. But I pray right now, God, that we become Christ-centered, that we begin to think about you and us in the light of you, not comparing to other people, but just to you, Jesus. I pray, God, right now for anyone in this place that is single, that has struggled in their life, in that emotional area of their lives, that they could begin to see, Lord, that you want to bless them in that area. That you want their families to be stable and strong and give you glory one day, God, that their husbands and wives and children's children, God, that they would be an honor to you, King. And when people wonder, but I knew who they were. I know what family they came from. I know what they were like. How did they do this? That they could simply say it was the Lord who was able to do this thing in us. It is he who gets the glory. There's someone here, God, that desperately wants to grow ministry, ministerially, God. That actually wants their 12 in 2019. For that person, I pray right now, God, that you awaken their spirit for growth, formation. That they become so hungry, Lord. That instead of excuses, they would have victories. Jesus, I thank you for this beautiful ministry. I thank you for the leaders in this place. The leaders that will help other people and they themselves will grow. I thank you, God, because it's a ministry that cares not just about what happens on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Jesus, I thank you so much. I am so honored and privileged, Lord, to be a servant in this place. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Give God a shout of praise, please.